Luke chapter 16, verse 15, this is one of the verses of the Bible that simply knocks my socks off. The title of the message is, How Can We Get Our Minds Around This? How can you get your mind around this? Now, in this body of believers, we have all levels of Christian growth. We have some of you people can see the celestial lights are just about ready to cross over. We have some of you that were born into the family of God a week ago, two weeks ago. We had a lady baptized last week. She was saved two weeks earlier. I mean, new Christian. Some of you are new within the year, new two years you've been saved. Some of you have been saved in the 80s, 70s, uh, 90s. Uh, some of you saved last year. You know, there are all different kinds of levels of growth. And trust me, the Christian life is a, is a life of growth. It is a life of change. It is a life that is becoming clearer and clearer uh, as we get older in Christ. The, the, in fact, the Bible talks about the, it becomes the, the light, light meaning something that which is revealed and, 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 and righteous because the Bible compares the two worlds as light and darkness, darkness being evil and that which is oppressive and, and horrible, and that light, that which is being a knowledge and understanding and wisdom and, and righteousness and goodness and beauty are on the light side. And as Christians, as we grow, things actually get better with time. Now, now, not too many things in this old world get better with time, I can tell you that. I bought a uh, Ford pickup one, and I thought I was in hog heaven until I drove it for 10 years. And, uh, that, you know, things don't get better with time here in the old world. They, get, they tend to go downhills, and you tend to have struggle. The second law of thermodynamics makes itself real clear to you. But not the things of God. They get better. They get richer. They get fuller. Man, I wish you'd trust me. Luke chapter 16, verse 15, and, Jesus, and really he said unto them, Jesus said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, that whole group, Sanhedrin, a lot of carnality, a lot of carnality there. But God knoweth your hearts. For that which is, and these are these are the key words, highly esteemed among men. Highly esteemed among men. That's what you want to get in your mind. Highly esteemed among men. What is it? It's an abomination in the sight of God. Now, folks, that's about as opposite as you're going to get. That's as, that's as light and dark as you're going to get right there. What this world and their system and their philosophy, what they highly esteem, you know, riches and power, 
and, and uh, uh, talent and all these other things and notoriety and fame. And then I'm going to very, be very specific in my biblical search. I'm going to tell you 19 areas where God says they're an abomination because that's what he said here. He said the things that these men, that mankind highly esteems in the sight of God's an abomination. I think we got some work, we got some, there's some gap between there. <laughs> there's some room to grow here. When you first get saved, right, the Holy Spirit comes in and births you, you're still 98% the world, philosophy of the world, what they think's right and wrong, what they like, what they don't like, and you're in a whole lot of God. You just got saved. You got your sins forgiven. You trusted Christ. He's put your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're going to be with Him forever. But the process of Him making you see things the way He sees them has just started. It has just started. Now, as in any growth, uh, nobody's growth is the same. Any plant growth, any animal growth, no two animals, no two plants grow exactly the same speed. You, you can plant. I planted 30 cypress trees when I moved out to my place. And some of them to this day are still only that big around. What I realized is cypress tree is the slowest growing tree in North America. I don't have time. To see them get big. But some of my cypress trees are like this. This big. At the base. And some of them are like this. Planted the same time. Growth, growth is just different. You, plant, you just put some plants in the ground. Some of them are happy where they're at. Some of them are sad where they're at. You don't know why. You fertilize them the same. You water them the same. You, you beat them with a baseball bat the same. Some old boy told me when I wasn't having fruit on my orange tree. Oh, he said, just go out there and beat it with a baseball bat, and it'll, it'll bear fruit next year. I beat the bark off of the one side. I knew if I beat the bark off the whole thing, it'd kill it. About two years later, I got a great fruit crop. Probably had nothing to do with the bat, but it made me feel better. But trusting Jesus begins a radical journey. And I say radical with an emphasis on radical. It begins a radical journey. It has to be radical, doesn't it? Look at that verse. How do you wrap your mind around that? The things which are highly esteemed among men. That's the stuff we're born under. That's the stuff, if you get saved later in life, you've adopted a lot of that stuff. It's an abomination to God. That is unbelievable. Take your Bibles also to go to Romans, a very familiar passage, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It's not the main text. The text is Luke 16, 15, but I think it adds to it. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. These are born-again people he's talking to, no doubt. A living sacrifice. See, people, you don't want to die for Jesus. You want to live for Jesus. A living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's to be expected. And be not conformed to this world. And this is the statement that I want to emphasize about in this passage. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. They made a movie called Transformers. Radical transformation from a car to a robot, a robot to a car. The word transformation is radical like that. And so 
going along with Luke chapter 16, verse 15, and that's radical, as you're going to get, you also have the radical language again here in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that we're to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, what you esteem, what you think is valuable, what you put your mind on. So naturally speaking, without God's influence, the things that we normally will highly esteem, ultimately in God's sight will be an abomination to him. Because it says if you will have your mind renewed and transformed, you will prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect, complete will of God. Wow. So does it mean that everything in this world is an abomination to God, like the sunrise, sunset, the birds, uh, the trees, the bees? No, no, it's not talking about that. It's not talking about the animals, the earth, the fish, the plant life. He's talking about the ideology, the philosophy of this world, which we're full of as being born of this world. The highly esteemed things of this world are an abomination in the sight of God. On a side note, if I may just digress here for a second, imagine Jesus Christ being God manifest in the flesh, and he was. Put in the midst of this. You understand? Jesus is God. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto Gentiles, received up into glory. The Bible is extremely clear in so many other places, to identify Jesus not just as a good teacher, not just as a prophet, not just as a, the Son of God, but God, Theos. Two places also refers to him as, as part of the Godhead. In him the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth bodily. The deity, the word is, the base word is deity there. So Jesus is not just a good man walking around or a prophet walking around. He is God manifest in the flesh. He's man, but he's also God. He's, the man part came from Mary. The God part was the Holy Spirit. And imagine, and I can't imagine, him being thrust into this environment when every the whole ideology of the people around him is an abomination to him. I mean, it had to be, only God could control himself that well, that he could walk among us and control himself all the time he was around his disciples. And even his disciples, I'll give you a couple examples of them. Luke chapter 9, verse 55, And he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit ye are. In Mark chapter 8, verse 33, Peter, upon the confession there that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God, turns around and says, uh, uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to go to the cross. And he says, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest. Now, you don't understand, you savor us not the things of, that are, be of God, but the things that be of man. Even his own disciples, Peter, the, the leader of the whole group, you don't get it. You don't understand the things of God. Natural man, the Bible says in Corinthians, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned or understood. The Bible makes it clear that you and I only will understand the things of God if he allows you to. Meaning when you repent and trust Christ your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in 
and he begins to let you see who God is. The process of transforming your thought patterns, your philosophy, your value system begins. And it is radical. He that steals stole no more. Used to be a thief, you don't, you're not a thief anymore. Used to be an adulterer, an immoral, immoral, you don't do that anymore. Used to watch pornography, you don't do that anymore. Used, used to uh, be murdersome in your thought patterns, and maybe physically, you don't do that anymore. You hate those things. God hates those things. The things of God are just opposite in everything we can look at in this old world. In the things of God, if you want to exalt yourself, you've got to base yourself. Where's that go? How do you get your mind around that? How do you get your mind around that? You know, the world writes books of how to, I'm just going to paraphrase this, but I actually saw this book. But it, was, it used some nasty words, so I'm not going to do that. And to the relief of some of our deacons. How to succeed by walking over those around you using them as a means to succeed. They're writing books how to do that. How to manipulate people. How, how to use them to gain from them. How to gain their confidence to gain from them. Wow. If the Bible says if you want to exalt yourself, abase yourself. That's just the opposite. He that would be chiefest among you be what? Servant of all. Now, truthfully, I'm your servant. <coughs> I didn't want to do this. Now, trust me, I didn't want to do this. I had a life in the real estate business. I had a life I wanted to spend doing that and make a bunch of money, buy a bunch of stuff, and give it to my kids. I, but I mean, God said, I want you in my service. I want you to do this. And I thought, what? what? And, 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 and God began the process of changing my mind, the things that I highly esteem in this world, changing them to the things that he, he highly esteemed. And wow, what a difference since Jesus passed by. Woo! If you want to be chief, be servant of all. If you want to be lifted up, you're going to have to humble yourself. You learn pretty soon in the Christian life that, down, that up is down and down is up. But it's not easy. It takes the Holy Spirit. It takes your willingness to seek God and mean it and diligently seek Him and not quit. It's been said if you don't quit, you can't lose. I like that. I like that. As a Christian, boy, there's no more truth than that. Don't quit God. Because things don't work out the way you see it. Because you can't see like he sees. The whole message here about can you get your mind around it is that how are we don't see things the way God sees them, right? That's the underlying thesis of this whole thing. Well, what are some of the abominations? What are they? What are some of the highly esteemed things in the world that are an abomination to God? Well, in my search of the Bible from one end to the other, I found at least 19... There's a few more, but some of them overlap a little bit. But there's at least 19 specific things in the Bible that God says are an abomination to me. Now, that doesn't mean 
that the other sins and other things mentioned that he is against are not an abomination to him, because really all sins are an abomination to God. But these are things that in the Bible are are mentioned. These are an abomination. I'm going to do quick. It's got to be quick for have 19. I have 19 points. What do you think? No, no. Let's scare half of you. Abomination, first of all, by definition, is something detestable. It's something repulsive. It's something extremely unpleasant. Every time I get into this type mode here, I always want, always my mind goes the same illustration. I'm jogging. You didn't realize I jogged years ago. I used to run three miles, kick it at the end, and I'd be jogging, and I was, I was out of breath. When I first started jogging, man, I'm telling you, I, I was sucking wind, brother. I mean, I, I didn't think you could breathe any deeper, any harder, any longer. It's going to die. Running is horrific until you get good. Once you get in shape, it's fun. But, boy, up to that point, she's no fun at all. So we're out running. I'm just, and I went by about a three-day-old dead possum. And, and I sucked a good, long, deep uh, shot of humid, humid, putrid, stench down my lungs all the way to the bottom. And man, I stopped. Joe, that was awful. That was just about as bad as the time I was running, doing the same thing, sucking wind, and a fly and I meant. Big old bloated fly. You ever see them bloated flies, one with the big old bellies? I sucked him in all the way down. I can cough now thinking about it. I hacked and I coughed and I sputtered and I tried everything to get that fly up out of there. Abomination. The smell of that putrid three-day-old possum was an abomination. That's what God says. What we in this world naturally count so precious and wonderful, we're talking philosophy now, value system, He says, it's an abomination to me. That's why no sinner without Christ can go to heaven. If you went to heaven without Christ, you'd stink it up. You with me? You'd stink it up. I've seen people come into church with tennis shoes that they wore without socks. And they get wet, they get dry. 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 And then they come to church. And they sit right over, right there between you two. You know, there's only one. And bro, I've been in a church where that happened before. I went in a big old church one day and found me a seat. And I went, I have, everything's failing on me, but my nose is good. Eyes are shot. Mine's going. But my nose is good. And I sat there and went, Right away, your brain's trying to interpret, what is that smell? Is it feet? Is it this? Is it that? Is it this? Is it that? And I looked over that old boy beside me, had his feet crossed with them old tennis shoes with no socks on, and then you could tell them tennis shoes been around. And I said, son, that is roadkill on your feet there. I said, I'll, I'm leaving or you're leaving. Somebody's leaving. And he got up and left because there were about 20 people in a circle that weren't going to pay attention to what that guy was saying with that roadkill on his feet. 
If you went to heaven without the blood of Jesus Christ, you'd be roadkill in heaven. That's why it says the blood of Jesus Christ washes us. You see all this fix? It washes us. That's why, the, that's why it says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. It always talks about cleaning and washing and scrubbing because we are an abomination. We smell like an abomination to God until we've been transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, here are some of them. Let me give them quickly to you. I would give you, I, I can give you references for every one of these, but I'm not going to for time's sake. But you can trust me on this. These are, these are direct quotes of the Bible. Pride is an abomination to God. Immorality of any kind. And boy, you live in a day, you got it, you know, since Clinton, you got to define what does is mean? Any kind of exchange of immorality. Idolatry. That's attributing what only could be attributed to God to something else. Idolatry can be to money. Idolatry can be to power. Idolatry can be to fame. It doesn't have to be a... If, if it replaces what only God should give you, it's idolatry. It's abomination. It stinks. Injustice. Injustice is an abomination. Cheating. Businessmen. Unfair balances is really an abomination to God. When you sell something to somebody, you better give them everything they paid for. And if I wouldn't hurt you, just give them a little extra. Uh, all the Bibles against unfair balances. And, you know, butchers have told me that they used to set their scale where they'd get about a sixteenth of a pound in their favor. And he said, man, over a year, that really meant a lot. And I thought to myself, that's going to burn a hole in your pocket. Man, give, give. Do not be a cheater. That's why in our school, cheating is not tolerated. One time I kicked out, we had 15 kids in the upper grades. One day I kicked out five girls. They had written answers on the inside of their thighs. Their dresses are come down to here. They'd written answers. Well, I had, I had a girl, a woman take them in a the room, and they had all their answers down on their, on their legs there. Every one of them kicked them out. We went from 15 to 10, but, but it was a better year. Brother, cheating is an abomination to God. Don't you cheat. To justify the wicked. To call good evil and evil good. And boy, is that going on today. Wow, that's going on today. You think the world don't love that? They love that. They're calling abortion good. You know what? You know what one of the people planned here planned Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood said. They said, why, if they defund Planned Parenthood, a horrible thing will happen. Women will have babies. They hate babies that much. Uh, condemning the just. That's going on. It's an abomination of God. The Bible says, now this is crazy. The Bible says. The very thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to God. That's in Proverbs. The sacrifice of the wicked are an abomination to God. 
Thirdly, the way of the wicked is an abomination to God. So their very religious sacrifices, their very religious services that they're having today outside of Jesus Christ and his word, they think they're somehow making God happy. It's an abomination to him. Um, wickedness, generally, just wickedness is an abomination to God. Um, offering the hire of a whore in the temple, that's more Old Testament. That's an abomination to God. Now, this is one that's clear, cross-dressing. Years ago, we had a, a, a adult party, I guess it is, an adult party, Christian party. I went in there, and four of our men were dressed up like women. I won't mention any names. But they were some ugly women. I was a pastor, been only the pastor about six months, been a senior pastor only six months, and I was younger than all of them. And I went in there and said, man, don't ever do this again. It's not even to be laughed at. It's not even to be made fun of. It's, it's, it is an abomination to God for a man to dress like, like a woman or look like a woman, and it's an abomination to God for a, for a woman to look like a man or to dress like a man. Don't do it, God's. Now you say, well, I don't agree. It don't make any difference what you think. You're talking about God Almighty. You're talking about the creator of the universe. But it makes sense, doesn't it, when Jesus said the things that are highly esteemed in this world are an abomination to God. Witchcraft is an abomination to God. We're talking about Ouija boards. We're talking about uh, horoscopes. We're talking about... Uh, speaking to the dead, of course, necromancy, uh, all of that kind of stuff is abomination to God. Trying to find out what the dead are doing. Don't, you don't need to know what they're doing. Offering, this is more Old Testament, but offering a deformed sacrifice, the principle of it was to take something that you don't want and give it to God. Ooh, take the best you got and give it to God. Not the worst you have. Years ago, you met, do you met, all you people, you remember the missionary barrel? A church would put up a barrel in, in Amsterdam and say, now anything you want to give the missionaries, you go ahead and put in this barrel. We'll, and we'll, 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 weld the, we'll weld the barrel and we'll put it in a deal. We'll send it to missionaries. At Grace Bible Church in Elkhart, Indiana, they went through the barrel before, before they obviously spent a bunch of money to send a barrel. They found used tea bags. Used once, hopefully. I don't know. Well, my wife, my wife's got this exotic tea. Some of you have exotic tea. She's got this exotic tea. I spent about a hundred bucks on buying her tea one of her birthdays, one of her anniversaries, one of her. I'm so good to her. Pray for me. But I I saw her use that, brother, not one time throw it away. I go, whoa, hold it. This tea costs way too much money to use one time. I can get three cups of tea out of that. <laughs> she said, it don't taste the same. I said, it ain't that much different. I want you to do it. And I still have not won that war. But it is an ongoing to this moment. Because she sneaks around when I'm not there, I think, and throws it away. Abortion. Killing. Children is old. It's old. They used to sacrifice their children to Moloch, sacrifice their babies, babies. Uh, sacrificing babies is not new. It's an abomination to God. Uh, homosexuality of any kind.
kind is an abomination to God. It's not an alternate lifestyle. It's not a personal choice. It is an abomination to God. Now, you can disagree with me all you want to, and you can run out of here and never come back, but it's still true because truth is unmovable. Or it's not true. By the very characteristic of truth, there's only a singular, and it's eternal, and it doesn't change. It doesn't care what your culture says. It don't care what this group of this group of hyenas of our generation believe. And when the Supreme Court legalized trans, what they legalized transgender as a civil right, those guys overthrew six thousand years of wisdom. These are specifically mentioned in the Bible. So when you get saved, depending on how many of these you may be participating in or condone, uh, God has to begin a process, a radical process, remember we, we identified that, from moving your mind from those things to what he approves. What he approves. Now take your Bibles to, to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 has mo the most astute clear, unbelievable, insightful uh, understanding Jesus' words. Man, I'm glad they're there, or we would not know this. In John 3.16, I'm not going to do that. You thought I was probably going there. I'm not going there, John 3.16. It's after John 3.16. He says in 17, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now look at 19 and 20. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men did what? Let's say that word together. Loved darkness. Rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the... Does what? Hateth... Remember these... Jesus invented language. He invented vocabulary. He's not making a casual mistake here. He's saying the right words to express the right thoughts. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. He that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifested or wrong in God. So when you come to the light, you, you come realizing that you violated God in, in so many different directions, you're grieved about violating God. The Bible calls it godly sorrow. The Holy Spirit makes you sorrowful for how you violated God. And you come to him through Jesus Christ and repent of those things where you violated God, which is the word repent simply means to turn and go another direction. I'm going this way. I repent. I go this way. I've been going this way. The Holy Spirit makes me clear it's wrong way. I turn around and say, I want to go this way. God, as soon as you turn around, Jesus is there to put his hand in your hand. And the Holy Spirit will guide you step at a time towards the kingdom of God. And that whole growth period, maybe it's 70 years, maybe 80 years, maybe five years, maybe two, three days, but that whole process of God is moving you towards the kingdom of God, transforming your mind into his mind, causing you to be made in the image of Christ. We're not going to look like Jesus. We're going to be like Jesus. Amen. We're going to be like Jesus. And, and that passage, you read that over and over again, that is the most insightful passage. The Bible doesn't say the world just doesn't like light. 
the world says naturally they hate it. They may not even confess to that. They may not, by the way, they may not even know that. But it's true. You may go in, get a CT scan, and the doctor may tell you you got cancer. And you say, well, wait a minute, I don't feel like I got cancer. I don't, I don't believe I have cancer. But the doctor says you're full of cancer. You're just full of it. When God says you're full of sin, you say, well, I don't feel sinful. I don't feel bad. That doesn't mean it's not so, right? It's, 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 and that's when you need to turn to him and help me. Help me, Lord Jesus. Move me from these abominations to the things that you do highly esteem. Grow me. That's what Christian growth is about. Give me your mind. Give me your values, God. Give me your right views. Give me what's right and wrong, the difference. When, when Solomon was made king of all Israel, his prayer was, help me to know the difference between right and wrong. And so the Holy Spirit accomplishes this. I believe we have to cooperate in it, of course. And we do. We present our bodies. Remember that, a living sacrifice. You come before God and say, I'm a, I believe in Jesus. I'm saved. I now present my body as a living sacrifice unto God. Transform my mind to be your mind. And then every day, you, every day you say that and you walk in that and you, you by faith, appropriate that. And say, I want to walk today in the mind of God. I want to grow today in the knowledge between good and evil. And God uses, sometimes he uses need to help us grow. He'll bring a need in your life. Uh, could be a sickness. Could be, could be anything. God will bring a need. And we learn through our walking. Uh, I, I, you learn through failure. I first bought a motorcycle. I had ridden motorcycle as a young man, but I bought a motorcycle at 50 years old. And I bought that old big 890-pound Harley. Now, if you've ever tried to do a hard turn, a slow hard turn to a big bike, there's a very thin line between that big old boy going over and sticking with you. And so what you learn by failure, you drop it a few times. And you pick it back up and you go, oh, well, that wasn't right. Don't turn your wheel on a slow turn unless you have. And then what you learn by experience is power is your friend. On a motorcycle, if you start dropping it, give it power. Power will write you back up and help. You know, policemen literally can drop their drop their motorcycle and ride it with the, with the uh, throttle. They just walk alongside of it, put the throttle on it, and when it when they gets off, they I've watched it. It's amazing. I never could do that because I wasn't willing to fail. Smash my bike all up trying to figure out how to do that because the policemen do it. It's not their bike. They don't care. Okay, I'm about done. First Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice insomuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. If you, re if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and God resteth upon you. On their part, he's evil spoken of, but on your part, he's overcome. Paul says, I'm strong when I'm weak. He says, I'll tell you what, I tried God, God three times to remove this thing, and he didn't remove it. And he said, oh, no, no, 
you're going to get to keep it, Paul, because my grace is sufficient for you. And in and Paul concluded that in his infirmity, it caused the power of Christ to rest upon him. And because of that, he said, I'll rejoice in my infirmity. Whatever God's given you as a born-again Christian, whatever infirmity he gives you is for your benefit. It drives you to your knees. It drives you to him. And that can't be anything but good in the end of it all. James 1, 2 through 4 says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Knowing this, it's a trial of your faith, work of patience. 1 Peter 1, verse 6 through 9 says, Wherein you greatly rejoice, now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold trials. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory to appearing of Jesus Christ. Boy. If you don't get this principle, you're going to go around confused. Ultimately, you'll get bitter at God, and you'll want to drop out. And God will have to bring things in your life to help you come home. You can help God do this process by saying, I present my body living sacrifice. I understand the need and failures process that you use to grow me, and I'm willing to grow. Help take those things which are highly esteemed that you that are an abomination to you and help me to learn the things you highly esteem. Father, help us this morning. Give us wisdom from heaven to understand these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand again. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.